Hello and welcome to the History Film Club, the club for people who really, really love history and film and TV and drama and comedy and fun. I'm Alex Montanzelman, I'm a historian and screenwriter. And I'm Hannah Gregg, a historian and a consultant to film and television. And today, Hannah, we have a very exciting applicant member of the club. Can you uh, introduce her to us, please? Yes, I'm delighted to welcome uh, to our membership, well, hopefully to our membership, um, Dr Priya Atwell, who's the Community History Fellow at Oxford at the moment. She's a historian of empire, monarchy and cultural politics across Britain and South Asia. And she's recently published this completely glorious book called Royals and Rebels, The Rise and Fall of the Sikh Empire, which charts the epic history of the ruling family that's driving the empire that's founded in 1799. But she looks particularly at the incredible women whose stories have often been sidelined. But she's also presented the BBC Radio 4 series Lies and My Teacher Told Me, uh, which reveals the problems, the many problems inherent in school textbook history. Um, but Priya's also made no secret of the fact that one of the influences that drew her to history was watching Hollywood movies with her family. Um, so she's a professional historian who came to history through history films. And I think that here at the History Film Club, we would expect her to find many um, like-minded friends. So welcome, Priya, to our club. Thank you so much. Excited to be here. <laughs> So, I mean, you have mentioned in a number of interviews, you know, this kind of founding interest that came from Bollywood. And, you know, was there one particular film was it, or just a whole sequence of kind of Bollywood period epic dramas that um, that hooked you in? Uh, well, there's definitely quite a few, I must admit. Um, I mean, I got into watching Bollywood films at quite a young age, maybe when I was sort of six, seven. Um, it was always something that was on in the background at home. And so maybe it's subliminal messaging, I don't know. But I, I really <laughs> I really got into it. But I think the earliest one I remember watching um, was a movie called Gadar, which had this epic uh, action hero, Sonny Diol. And he plays a, a young Sikh man who loses his family in the partition, but falls in love with a, a young, beautiful Muslim girl. And they have a kind of an interfaith marriage against all the odds, against the backdrop of partition. And... Um, you know that with with Bollywood, the movies, the songs, the action, the drama—they they all capture it, and of course they present a very romanticised version of 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 history. Um, but when you don't get taught that kind of history at school, and when you get a very kind of pop history understanding from family and grandparents and cousins and that kind of thing, again, gleaned from movies and stories that are passed down. You know, Bollywood was definitely the entry point, um, and a really colourful, dramatic entry point too. I think yeah, Goddard, and then and then there were many many others. But I think when I when I was growing up in the nineties, early two thousands, it was there was a sudden reemergence of all of these um, big historical uh, movies. You had movies like Lagan, um, which looked at a village playing cricket in an epic match against the local British colonial elites, and then you had uh, Jordan Upper, which was uh, one that I absolutely loved. Age seventeen, eighteen, I had the most you know massive crush on the lead actor. Rithik Roshan. So there I mean, wasn't the history necessarily that got me into it. It was <laughs> it was the romance and then the history as, as a byproduct of that, really. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, Rithik Roshan is literally one of the most attractive people in the universe. So uh, I think that's kind well, of fair yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And it's I mean, it's a fabulous film that. And I think I mean, I think Jordan Akbar is one I often recommend to people who want to kind of know what Bollywood is about and come and see it because 
you know, the production values are so gorgeous. And yes, just the kind of, you know, the epic scale of it and the fabulous kind of music and everything um, is is just it's just on on a kind of scale that I think really speaks of old Hollywood much more than yeah. a lot of the films that are being made in Hollywood now. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's just enrapturing. I wish I'd seen it when I was 17 or 18. I'd have been so thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and it was actually one of the first Bollywood movies that I went to see in the cinema because we I grew up in High Wycombe and you didn't have you know, in, in quite, um, you know, white middle-class Buckinghamshire, and you don't have Bollywood films showing in the local cinema. Um, but that one, because I had such a massive crush on Ritik Roshan, and, and because of the history element, and I was doing history A-level at that point, I was desperate to go and see it. So we made, we, we drove all the way, I think it was to Feltham, or I can't remember, Feltham, <laughs> or Slough, or Oxbridge, one of the, any, anyone that had an Asian, you know, kind of movie scene. And I was just adamant that I had to go and see it. And, um, it was incredible. And that was, yeah, that was my first experience of watching a Bollywood movie in the cinema. And, and it's so lavish and so beautifully made that, um, yeah, it's really stuck with me. And I think, you know, I mean, Hannah, you mentioned about my Burke Royals and Rebels and courtly history. I, you know, I, I don't think it left me. And I, that came back when I then started learning about the Sikh Empire at university for the first time. So I think it has informed my work as much as I'd like to say, you know, I'm a, I'm a <laughs> hardworking scholar and academic and intellectual there's there's a Bollywood streak is, is definitely there oh I think that's fine I've long admitted that one of the reasons I'm a historian is that I watched Indiana Jones as a kid and thought it was very exciting <laughs> so, and also I think it's it's very sad with Jodhar Akbar I always wished that they'd actually nominated that as India's submission to the Oscars that year because I think they um if I remember right it's 2007 and I think they put forward Tare Zameen Par, which is this film that I could you know that it's obvious that Hollywood would not go for about a dyslexic child which I think you know is very progressive in India at the time but perhaps mm. not really where America was at in terms of that whereas I think if you'd shown American audiences Jodhar Akbar you'd have had some serious converts to Bollywood <laughs> straight away with that. There's a long history of, of, of movies as a way to represent India on a global stage or even within India right I mean um and that's something we tend to forget. And I think it's it's gotten really over you know, extra politicized now with, with Modi and, and sort of right wing Hindu nationalism and the kind of films that we're seeing um coming out at the moment within the industry. But I mean even Jawaharlal Nehru knew from early on with the films division that cinema is such a powerful way not only to build the nation within India, but to represent it abroad. And um and and, and Indian films haven't had that much success, you know, at the Oscars and that kind of thing. Um, or on, a, on a, and so when 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 there is a breakout movie, it's it's always something that everyone gets really excited about. I mean, you had that with Lagan, and and against and as far as I understand it, when I kind of looked into the the making of that movie more recently, no one expected that movie to be a success because it was a historical film, because that's not your normal Bollywood movie, you know. And so Jordan Upward again, and you think it was actually a gamble to make something like that, and I don't think I don't think we'll see a movie like Jordan Upward being made like in the same way in a hurry because of the right wing politics that we're facing in India now. And because of that, it was a very much, you know, the not not just the beautiful questions and the romance, but it was the message behind it was all about a tolerant, secular India, although set in that 16th century Mughal courtly culture. And can we talk a bit about that? Because, I mean, this has been something that has come up a few times over the last few years is you know, a kind of Indian government reaction against historical movies and even talk, I don't think it's actually ever happened, of kind of censoring them, of setting up a board of historians to to get involved. And this is really very politicised in India, isn't it? How you make historical film. 
Well, yeah, I mean, there's, like, like I said, with, with from the time of, you know, the 40s and 50s, um, as India was entering its sort of independent phase and, and the British Raj was shuffling off, um, there was a real recognition that cinema was that medium to to get a message out to a broad, you know, um, and largely illiterate population. So it's a means that you want to be in control of, to be quite honest. Um, but then at the same time, I guess, and I mean, Modi's government actually has promoted, they've, they've actively called filmmakers, Bollywood actors, you know, celebrities in um, and kind of brought them under their wing quite early on to say, we want you to make movies that have got a social message. Um, but what you're seeing now is increasingly a kind of a Hindutva, a soft Hindutva agenda within certain films that have come out, or where filmmakers have tried to do something that is a bit more, you know, harking back to this earlier era of cosmopolitanism or secularism or, or however you want to phrase it. Uh, there's been a backlash against that and strong mobilisation in 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 areas of you know Maharashtra or Rajasthan against certain types of movies that maybe have a Hindu Muslim couple or um are seen to portray a Hindu historical figure in a in a bad light. Um when it might not you know necessarily be the case, but the uproar is just insane. So um and, and or, or when for example when you have a Pakistani actor involved, you know, that obviously a lot of them have been stopped from being involved in the in the Indian film industry now. So um it's become a very toxic environment and but it's because I think cinema is such a loved media medium in India as well. You know, the, the, and there's so many, we forget the size of the Bollywood film industry or the Indian film industry as a whole. Bollywood is just, you know, one part of the massive um, industry that across different languages and regions and that kind of thing, as well as your art house independent movies. Um, so you can see why it would become a battleground in a way. I mean, that explains a lot to me, because I have to say, when I was thinking about this podcast, I was going to ask you the very trite question about whether Bollywood kind of gets subjected to the same controversies around accuracy that we see, you know, being meted out in newspapers around British period dramas. And then I did a bit more homework and a bit more reading. And of course, you know, you discover that some of these films have been subject to what well, have, you know, caused riots. There's been film sets that have been burnt down, that it's incredibly uh, kind of... Yeah, important and volatile in the way that these films are received and that's just explained to me a lot more about about that kind of culture of reception and also the culture of control from the Indian film board and how they classify films and you know they put disclaimers on about historical fiction and they ask for film titles to be changed and things taken out and um yeah it's kind of fascinating to see how that evolves culturally and actually I don't think I'm ever going to complain about kind of telegraph grumbles about you know BBC yeah. period dramas anymore because it's nothing <laughs> compared to like yeah. sets being burned and like cinemas being destroyed and people's lives being yeah. um oh, yeah. tackled, you know so People people get death threats, all sorts kicks off. I mean, Simon Jenkins' thing about the crown and fake history, that's tame, you know. I know, it's nothing, it's nothing. <laughs> I know, so, you do think when they're, when they're sort of complaining about, oh, he didn't write a letter that night, it was another time, and you think, honestly, But yeah. It's, but, but it's part and parcel of this overall increasing, you know, toxicity and, and the heating up of politics that we're seeing, you know, with, with the rise of right-wing nationalism and that kind of thing but yeah but the other, so do you the other think, thing I was oh sorry do you think no, pe- do you think people are going to stay away from period films for a while then in Bollywood that it'll be it's too hot and a topic really to be touched for a while because um you know in the last few years there have been such controversial films that I kind of imagine that filmmakers will be steering away and back into sci-fi and action and things for a while 
No, I, I think it's going the opposite <laughs> direction. Actually, I think I think you're seeing going to see more and more. Okay. Um, and I think it's going to come from a number of impulses. Or from what? Well, this is my kind of <laughs> sweeping take from what I've seen sitting at home. Um, <laughs> I mean, you're you're seeing an increase in movies that are are promoting kind of a like I said a soft Hindu Hindu historical agenda. So in a way, rewriting epic historical narratives just to suit a modern political um, viewpoint. Um, and, and even things like Mahabharata or, um, you know, these kind of epic mythological stories. I mean, Bollywood anyway will draw on sort of mythological themes. Um, so be it history or be it mythology, there's always a bit of a blurry boundary between that anyhow. But you're seeing a lot more um, movies being made of whether it's sort of medieval Hindu kings or you know, epic moments from the nationalist struggle against the British, but they will emphasize that kind of history, um, but with a, more of a Hindu agenda. Um, so you saw that in movies like Barney Butt, for example, um, where, you know, you, you're looking at a famous battle um, and it was actually where, where the Marathas lost, but it's, it's you know, re-stylized in such a way that they are the epic heroes and Others that other groups that contributed in those struggles against the Afghans at that point, for example, Sikh kings um, or Sikh um, warrior bands or, or other kind of nomadic warrior groups in that sort of northern Indian region, they're just totally forgotten from the history in that story. Um, so it's a it's an epic clash between this Hindu and Islamic civilization essentially. Um, you're going to see big big blockbuster movies like that, and um, and we've seen quite a few of those. I was going to say, I mean, also, um, they make a lot of money. I mean, films like, you know, talking outside Bollywood, but films like Bahubali, you know, the kind of the epics from that. I think that was made originally in Telugu and Tamil, if I remember rightly, um, you know, made huge amounts of money. I mean, spectacular box office successes. So there's obviously an appetite. Definitely. And I mean, I think you're seeing even CGI and, and you know, computer based graphics being introduced into these films so they're the big budget films they're no by no means film pop productions um so there's obviously an appetite and there's obviously a you know a supply mm. um, but i think the other thing is you know with the rise of netflix and amazon prime and, and all of these other kinds of platforms there's still scope for for all kinds of different content on this and i think you know we're seeing an increase of interest in popular history at the moment and you know be it be it really gritty and edgy and quite um, maybe progressive, but also critical drama or documentaries. I think that's really interesting. Um, I mean, there's going to be, we've just seen advertised this week that um, William Dalrymple and Anita Arnon's book on the Koh-i-Noor is going to be, has been optioned to be a drama series. Oh, fantastic. And I don't know where that's going to come on, but that's going to be, I'm sure that's going to be really epic. Well, I know um, Netflix India is um, is really you know, very proactive, I understand. And I know that they are looking to make a lot of content. And yeah, I mean, that's, it's fascinating because that is a di very different system from the kind of traditional studio system in India, you know. Um, it will be very interesting to see if that op does open up space for some different voices, you know, some yeah. some more kind of, uh, perhaps even some more subversive voices to come through because they don't have to be so beholden to the existing system. Yeah, and we're all watching watching different types of TV or film in different ways now, aren't we? we? We can watch it almost in silos. What you watch on Netflix could be very different to what someone else is watching on Netflix. Your uncle, who li likes that kind of epic Bollywood movie in a way. Um, <laughs> then just to add another, chuck another thing into the mix is that's what's happening on the subcontinent, right? But if you think about what's happening in the diaspora, um, you've had scandals about fake history 
with British Asian or, or diaspora produced films as well. So Gurinder Judda's Viceroy's House has had that thing of fake history that Simon Jenkins's articles just brought up against the Crown um, a few years ago when that, that was talking about the partition and, and Louis, uh, Louis Mountbatten's role in organising the, the transfer of power. Um, and then more, you know, more closer to my own research, there was a, a movie that came out about Maharaja Dilip Singh, a biopic called The Black Prince. And again, you know, with, with both of those two films, the, the filmmakers were trying to say that they, they are writing, they, you know, they're having this, seizing this post-colonial moment to tell their stories and to tell them how they should have been told in the first place. But there was a lot of controversy with both of those films about, you know, are you just promoting your own agenda or, or your own kind of quite, you know, biased version of or your understanding of history, but then marketing it as such that this is the truth. This is the historical truth. And I think that in itself is a new and interesting and actually, I must admit, a bit of an annoying trend with film marketing <laughs> in the history mm. space that we're telling the truth. But you're promoting a drama. I mean, that doesn't make any sense. To me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we spend a lot of time worrying about that on this show. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, well, when I was reading your book, though, Priya, I was wondering what it would look like as a Bollywood film and whether you'd want yeah. it to be adapted by Bollywood and what Bollywood would do to the story. So, you know, if they had Royals and Rebels, a true story <laughs> kind of flashing across the screen, do you ever think about it in those terms? like what this would look well, like as a kind of visual drama you know what that has kept me going throughout the whole process of doing a PhD sitting in the <laughs> so, library <laughs> so who's your fantasy casting then <laughs> it keeps you know my supervisor and I would have serious conversations about this <laughs> you know what so they did, in the Black Queen, they had um does make an appearance the last queen of the Sikh empire the mother of Maharaja Dilip Singh and they had Shabana Asby playing her as the elder, you know, the kind of um, slightly more elderly Jinsgore. And she was brilliant. So actually, mm. I would definitely cast her again. Um, but who would play the young Jinsgore, you know, when she's at the peak of her power and fighting off the British in the 1840s? You know what? I don't know. I've, I've gone back and forth. I, sometimes I used to, a while ago, I used to think Preeti Zinfra because she mm. was definitely one of my favourites. And she's done some really beautiful acting of Punjabi, powerful women. Um but honestly, I don't know. And then there's, there's, you know, and how much do you, you know, if you wanted to make a Bollywood version, you'd have to have a love story or some sort of love intrigue. And there is, you know, the scandal over whether the Maharani had a lover in her bodyguard and her her prime minister, Raja Lasu. Um, so, you know, imagining the Bollywood version is something that has tickled me quite a lot throughout the process of writing it. Um, but then at the same time, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to squash the story into the stereotypes that are what are typically the fodder of, of those kind of stories. In a way, sometimes real history, I mean, not sometimes, all the time, real history is more interesting than the movies. It's always more messy and more complex. <laughs> but the movies oh, are a brilliant way to bring it to life, aren't they? And to get, capture people's interest and their imagination. So, That's exactly yeah, no, right. I do hope that there is there is some drama or movie eventually. Um, don't know if there's any any filmmakers listening to this, but you know, <laughs> well, come on Netflix India, you're producing loads of stuff. This is this is gold. We're telling you, <laughs> this is what you want. But my friends at school used to take the mick out of me because you know, especially when I was in that Ritik Roshan obsessive phase, it was that there's history Priya and then there's Bollywood Priya. But I I always thought that they was the same. You know, it was, it was all mixed up. 
<laughs> well, like you say, it's what catches your attention and your love for it. And then, of course, you're inspired to look further. And, you know, that's one of the reasons I often think I often say people should be a little bit more relaxed about historical inaccuracy in movies is that people get interested and they do look for the facts and they do start digging. And that sounds like that's exactly what happened with you, really, you know, that your attention was was got by these fabulous films. And then uh, then you wanted to know the true story. So you yeah, took action and found out. <laughs> um, which makes you an excellent applicant, if I may say so, for membership of the History Film Club. <laughs> Just what we like to hear. Thank you very much. Well, Prue, thank you so much. And um, I, we hope, you know, we can show you around the History Film Club and, you know, you'll come and visit us lots of times. One of the things we always ask our members to recommend is a film or television series that they absolutely love that we can add um, to our club library. Uh, what would you suggest? Oh, God, this was the hardest one. There have been so many that I've enjoyed, and especially re-watching during lockdown over this horrible period that we've been living through. I mean, I mentioned Jordan Upgrade at the beginning. And I think that's probably the one I'd have to recommend um, just because it was transformative for me to watch. Um, and there were so many movies along the way. There's, there's others, Amral Jan or Lagan, But I think Jordan Akbar just because it was so special. Um, I mean, I will so, gladly support this so being epic. added to the club library. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's one of my favorite. and of course you know you, you of course I know that there's classics like Mughal Azam and all of these you know are wonderful as well but um yeah but for me as well as you that kind of I think for a younger generation that one really uh gets you I think yeah. so I think it's a fantastic yeah. choice and it there's something uplifting about it I must admit I don't know what I mean I think it's just the, the epic drama and the romance but there's something uplifting when you watch it um I mean now I, I think we're in a really gripping quite gritty historical drama as well in some respects like uh, Small Act which is on the BBC now about the Mangrove Nine or I also really enjoyed The People versus OJ Simpson that was out a few years ago mm. um, with the BBC or Mrs America you know this this kind of um, you know really thoughtful uh, provocative sort of social history drama that's very modern and feels very contemporary um, and those kind of stories you know just to bring that to life in such a visceral powerful way is incredible Mm. Um, but as someone, you know, looking for an entry point, I would say, you know, Jordan Upper has it all. So definitely. <laughs> really I'm good answer. I have to watch it again. <laughs> yeah, I am to too. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should do a club live stream and all watch it at the same time. Yeah, we can do so a screening, lovely. can't we? We love an epic romance and everything. Got to order some samosas in. <laughs> Three and a half hours. Clear your diary. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and we also do like to ask because, you know, this is a very exclusive club um, and obviously the way we keep it that way is by banning our pet hates. So is there a pet hate that you have, Priya, about, you know, it could be a film and TV production or some particular thing that they do in historical movies. Is there something that we should ban from our club for you? I think I think I already touched on it. I think it's it's this trend towards where, where people say that this, this film is revealing the truth. <laughs> and I find that so annoying and so problematic. And it's like, yeah, it's a drama, okay? It's fine to make a drama and it's fine to do this stuff and romanticise and fictionalise and imagine, but don't claim that it's the truth because that's, we're, we're, we've got enough nonsense with Facebook <laughs> and everything else going on in the world right now. We don't need movies trying to do that as well. Um, you know, that's that's one thing I would say because that feels slippery and dangerous to me. Um, Especially when, you know, people are quite siloed in, in what they read and what they think and that kind of stuff. Um, 
I think that's, fiction, that's let fiction be fiction. Fiction can be exactly. fiction. Fact can be fact. That's fine. Yeah, and yeah. that's what makes it fun and entertaining. Mm. So don't absolutely, it if you have, you know, if you, as much as you can avoid it. But um, <laughs> you know, I don't know. <laughs> that's something yeah. else I would say. I think we can accept that. But pretty, you might have to become the club librarian and catalogue everything around whether or not it's a true story and how <laughs> true or not true, and no, <laughs> and, then, and then kind of you know <laughs> help us organise our collections because it could get quite sticky, couldn't it? Really, in terms of. <laughs> If it's not, you know, I mean, if it's a drama, it's fine, right? At the end of the day, you know that you're making up a story and you're, and you're, you know, you're, you're adding, you're drawing on history to tell a story. And that's, and I mean, look, as historians, when you try to piece together evidence, you're still adding your own story to it at the end of the day, aren't you? Absolutely. Um, but it's, it's when people market it as such that, you know, we're revealing a hidden truth or something like that. That's what I find a bit strange I just think well you know you know that you're you're selling a drama let it just be a drama and 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 it doesn't need to be the world's most accurate thing as we've seen I mean Jordan Upper by no means is no that doesn't take anything away from it (laughs) but then why do you feel you need to make the claim in a way is is what I'm I guess I'm trying to say um when when it's misleading well, we can certainly agree, I think, to let drama be drama. I think that's one of our, could be one of our mottos of um, the film club. Um, the other thing, uh, finally, Priya, that is when you, we welcome you to the club, we like to make you feel at home and we would like to buy you a drink at the bar. Um, what sort of tipple uh, would be your tipple of choice? Oh, well, I don't actually drink alcohol, um, but I love any kind of fruity cocktail. So we can make all that alcohol. There's, we, there's we no can... pressure to drink at the History Film Club. <laughs> yeah, there's, no, to, there's plenty of other club members who are not drinking at the bar. They're just, um, yeah, drinking yeah, uh, <laughs> nice fruity cocktails at the bar. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> yeah. So not not the traditional Bollywood dull peg of whiskey. Then we'll no. <laughs> Which no. is basically a very large glass for anyone uninitiated, very full of whiskey. <laughs> no, so I can no. pass that on. Pass that on That's to one of fine. my cousins to have for me. Or, or you know, you're welcome to take one for the team, both of you. Oh, my um, goodness. Yeah, I think that one might not be out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, in one, one, of my, one of my past jobs, I was a cocktail bartender. And, of course, we had the kind of alcohol list and then there was the non-alcoholic list. And for some reason, cocktails without alcohol were called virgin versions. And I, now that seems deeply problematic to me. <laughs> so <laughs> it had never occurred to me when I was, you know, 21 to up the cocktails that to call something a virgin cocktail was problematic but uh, but now it would strike me as problematic so we'll not have that on our cocktail no. lists at the history film club simply a nice fruity cocktail Priya that's fruity cocktail <laughs> I think on which note I think Priya um, your application has passed with flying colours and we're delighted to me- welcome you to membership of the history film club thank you so much thank you so I'm honoured I am really honoured thank, <laughs> thank you thank you well um And thank you very much for listening. Tune in next time for the History Film Club. (laughs) That's my cheesy end. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I have to edit that. (laughs) I love it. It's not the jingle. (laughs) It comes the jingle. You've been listening to the History Film Club with Alex von Tonselman, Hannah Gregg and Priya Atwal. It was produced by Matt Tapley for Gloaming Productions. (laughs) 